Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 475, October 12th, 2020. All 90 degree days are in the rearview mirror, but the high on this day was 87 degrees in 1975 and as cold as 23 degrees in 1917. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic. With Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop, here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. This is Columbus Day. Or do we have an official different title for it? I thought Indi- it was Indigenous, Indigenous People's yeah, Day. Yeah. Well... Uh, only because they come to us all the way from Mumbai, India. Show's over? Yep. Are this is some, from, yeah. from Tom oh. Lyman. No, on this day in 1931, with a parade and elaborate ceremonies, a bronze statue of Christopher Columbus is dedicated on the state capitol grounds. Sculpted by St. Paul native Carlo Brioschi, the statue was sponsored by the Minnesota State Federation of Italian American Clubs. And, of course, as we now know, that's been toppled. And uh, that quaint history uh, of the Italian-Americans in Minnesota wishing to have a statue of Columbus, that quaint history has been trumped, of course, by, the, by modern wokeness that we are to find uh, virtually everyone uh, in our past a suspect of one crime or another. And so uh, uh, I think that statue is now in storage somewhere. Got it. So okay. the Italian, the Italian American. Let me. Uh, what was I just going to say about that? Oh, right here, right here. I had some deep thoughts. Uh, I went to the Portland Oregonian, which is Portland's newspaper, to see how they handled the fact that now uh, the statue of Lincoln and Roosevelt has been uh, torn down, toppled. Theodore Roosevelt and Abraham Lincoln. Uh, protesters toppled two statues of former presidents Sunday night in downtown Portland. Uh, drawing the ire of the current commander-in-chief, meaning Trump, and marking the latest such figures to be brought down amid demonstrations against racial injustice. What what does Teddy Roosevelt and Abraham Lincoln have to do with racial injustice? Well, was, the there, protesters, was there an argument that uh, slave ownership? was that? The, I'll get there. Oh, I'm sorry. The protesters felled statues of Theodore Roosevelt and Abraham Lincoln. They also shattered the entrance to the Oregon Historical Society, smashed storefronts, and caused other destruction. Police were not visibly present while the statues fell, but eventually flooded the area and appeared to make several arrests. Uh, Donald Trump sounded off about this uh, all, all morning long on, uh, on Twitter, and uh, I don't want to read his tweets. They're typical. The statues were toppled during an event billed as Indigenous People's Day of Rage, which came ahead of Monday's federally observed holiday of Columbus Day. Many states and cities now recognize the day as Indigenous People's Day over concerns that Columbus's arrival in the Americas helped launch centuries of violence against Indigenous populations. Roosevelt, for example, later expressed hostility toward Native Americans, according to an Indian Country Today account of his attitudes and policies. 
Okay, he pushed policies that promoted assimilation into white culture, including the allotment system by which Native American land was given to those who became U.S. citizens, and the remainder was made available to white settlers. The policy weakened tribal governments. Uh, Spray-painted on the base of Lincoln's statue was Dakota 38, a reference to 38 Dakota men executed after the Dakota-U.S. War of 1862 in the largest mass execution in a single day in American history. I would argue September 9, 2001 was larger than that. Lincoln commuted the same sentence handed down by a military tribunal for 265 others. But isn't it true that uh, many soldiers were also lost in the Dakota War? Isn't it true that uh, it was a war? Uh... It was well, a war. yeah, I, I, I guess I don't know the number of soldiers. And you meant September 11th, but that's, I know you know that. What did I say? September yeah, 9th. We oh, that. September 11th. Yeah. Uh, Portland protesters have felled two other statues of former presidents, one of Thomas Jefferson, who enslaved more than 600 people during his lifetime, and another of George Washington, who was also an owner of enslaved people. So the Oregon, that's the Oregonian story. Uh, they're called protesters. Uh, not rioters or looters or criminal people bent on destruction. They're called protesters. And uh, it, it fits the template or the agenda of the current news gathering organization, of which the Portland Oregonian would be typical, to, uh, to educate the readers on the justification for this violence. That's how I took it. They, they are educating their readers uh, because they presume their readers are not woke enough to understand why this kind of violence should be tolerated. And it continues to be tolerated in Portland with a really weak mayor challenged by an even worse person who uh, favors uh, wearing skirts with, you know, commies on it, whatever. (laughs) Uh, So by that standard, uh, these people in Portland... Uh, quite literally want to destroy the United States. They, they want to rip it from the map. They admit that. Yep. yep. And so by that standard, uh, and they, they can't win, but they can do a lot of damage. They can nip and tuck at the heels of this country until it's even becoming more unrecognizable. But by their thinking, which is very distorted thinking, it's evil, it's mean-spirited, it's depraved there is no way to salvage the history of this country there's just no, no. way in, in the eyes no. of those people because no. they find the history fraudulent not historical not factual no no, no they, it's factual but they don't like the facts well, that's what i'm saying they don't right. want them wow right we've been talking about this since the podcast began right right it's something it, I've been trying to get straight in my mind for years, you know. Um, the what uh, manifest destiny, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, how do you make that right with yourself? It's like, well, we're not to blame for our ancestors' doings or wrongdoings or whatever, are we? I have no, no guilt. I have not. no. I have no guilt whatsoever. No, none. N- no. <laughs> as long as we're living the right life now, come on. I, I let's go back to the Columbus statue. Uh, no effort was made. I don't. Maybe I'm on thin ice here. I, you know, I'm 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 fully understanding of what uh, Columbus was capable of. 
no effort was made to point out why and who put up that statue. It just, it, it was lost to the current emotional sentiment of the day. Mm-hmm. And in the wake of George Floyd's death, that sentiment was, was steaming hot. And so if you'll recall, uh, the people who brought down the Christopher Columbus statue on the Capitol grounds were not challenged. Uh, there were people, there were law enforcement looking, but they essentially were allowed to do it. And with no repercussions, as far as I've been made aware. But now one single effort was made. I don't know who would have had to make that effort. Maybe the state capital architect could have run down there and said, wait a minute, do you understand who put this up and why? It, wasn't, it was put up because the Italians were proud to, to honor a guy they thought was okay. So I guess they needed to be instructed that, no, he wasn't okay. He was okay from 1937 until May of 2020, but then he wasn't okay. And uh, I have no idea what to do about that. Well, they don't care anyway. Even if they do know it, it doesn't matter. Because like you said, their goal is the destruction of the United States as we know it now. To be, to be replaced by absolute misery. Right. To be placed by absolute misery. Misery shared equally. Yeah. So uh, it's a fine how do you do. Uh, uh, Jordy invented a 2020 bingo card. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he said, what did he say here? He said, do you have a, a Krakatoa is still active and we are not ready for the tsunamis another eruption would generate? Uh, and then Jordy says, 2020 would not be complete without it. I did have Krakatoa on my 2020 bingo doom card. But listen, listen to what you can now put on your 2020 bingo doom card. This is just what I found today. Hairy caterpillar with venomous spines found in Virginia prompting warning it's a pet caterpillar called the pus caterpillar Ooh, <laughs> right out of a bad leg name yeah you got 18 foot pythons in florida you got a giant crab broke into some woman's house in berlin a crab a chinese mitten crab to be exact and now you got these furry caterpillars they're hairy looking yep. they're the most venomous venomous in the nation uh the hairs of this caterpillar are actually venomous spines that cause a painful reaction if touched. The University of Florida's Entomology and Nematology Department notes that pus caterpillar is one of the most venomous caterpillars in the U.S. I didn't know any caterpillars were venomous until 2020. Then right. they're all be. <laughs> If a person were to get stung, they would experience an immediate intense burning pain followed uh, by the appearance of a red grid-like pattern on the skin that would match the pattern of the venomous spines of the caterpillar. Symptoms Mm. may also include intense pain, rash, nausea, vomiting, fever, muscle cramps, swollen glands, and shock, according to the University of Michigan Health System. If you come into contact with the pus caterpillar, Remove the broken off spines by using cellophane tape or a commercial facial peel and call your doctor. Wow. A woman in Richmond, Virginia, had to go to the emergency room last month after she brushed against one when opening the rear door of her car and spotted what looked like a cross between a mouse and a slug. Hmm. And she said, it felt like a scorching hot knife passing through the outside of my calf. Crystal Spindle, Gaston, told the Virginia Mercury. The pus caterpillars 
are found in southern states ranging through most of Texas and northward into Maryland and Missouri. They eat oak and elm leaves, but they can be found in parks or near structures. If you see one, leave it alone. Okay, I will. Oh, it sounds like I will. I, I'm going to leave that alone. Yeah. I'm going to leave 18-foot pythons uh, alone. What are those symptoms again? Can you read that off? Yeah. Sounds like a bad flu. Uh, you're going to get the burning pain. Okay. And then you're going to get uh, rash, nausea, vomiting, fever, muscle cramps, swollen glands, and shock. You got that? Seems mm. That sounds a lot like what Vikings fans are going through this oh, morning. come on. Yeah, symptoms of the pus caterpillar. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I thought the Vikes played pretty well, to tell you the truth. You know, they did just about everything right, and they still yeah. found a way to lose. Right. Well, that'll happen. What, you know, what are you going to do? Kenny, what's, what's, uh, what's Big O's line? They sure know how to make a guy feel bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very accurate. Well, we're not done with the, with your 2020 bingo card of oh, doom. Okay. Oh, a giant five stories deep sinkhole threatens the population of Newport Ritchie, Florida. The crater just keeps getting bigger. It's a big sinkhole in Pasco County. It keeps growing, expanding, and collapsing. The depression in Newport Ritchie, Florida, continues to expand at a rapid rate, very unusual for geologists to see. The hole opened on Monday last week at a few feet deep, but has grown to 75 feet deep and more than 30 feet wide. Wow. The speed of it opening and the speed of it is still spreading. That makes it unusual, said Emergency Management Director Andrew Fossa. Nearby, the Varsity Club has been evacuated and shut down. County crews erected a fence around the depression Wednesday night to protect the public. Uh, emergency crews still hear water gurgling at the bottom of the sinkhole, which means it might not stop growing anytime soon. While sinkholes can be generated by a water pipe underground leak, most are a natural phenomena due to the fact that the Florida Peninsula is almost all limestone. This is a lesson we've all long learned from Randy Wayne White. Yes. Florida is essentially a wafer, a limestone wafer with, uh, uh, many uh, opportunities for it to just completely disappear. Limestone can be dissolved, be dissolved over time by the high water table and create an underground void. Eventually, that void gets filled or the surface subsides into it. If you look at a map of central Florida, you will see a lot of circular lakes, big and small. That is the result of this process over the years. Isn't that something? Yeah. Well, uh, that's uh, because Florida is a wafer. We're not done with your bingo card from 2020. There's more? <laughs> I think I have bingo. Is this four corners? Jordy wonders, who else had raging killer whales on their 2020 bingo card? Killer whales are orchestrating revenge attacks on boats off the coast of Spain. How? They, get, they, they go after They shoot them. They go after them. Revenge attacks. <laughs> 2020, baby. 2020 is one hell of a year, isn't it? Yeah, and then to think we get to set our clocks back at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. I thought that was going away. Can't we get some movement to get rid of that? I don't want So they're know. having their own protest rage. Yeah, day the whales of rage. are. The whales are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. days of rage. Interesting. Mm. No, it is. It's terribly interesting. <laughs> <laughs> how is everybody today? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> you don't actually care, do you? Of course not. <laughs> right. Thank, you. Thank you. But I do find it. Uh, I do find it uh, pertinent that it's 2020. For God's sakes, this has been the strangest. I, I saw a great uh, line. Where did I see it? We're in year three of 2020. Right. Mm. Oh, yeah. 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 Or like it was October 5th, and somebody tweeted, "This today marks year three of 2020." 
<laughs> it feels like that, doesn't it? Gosh. Someone yes. else also put up a great one over the weekend. Uh, this is week, you know, 789 of two weeks to slow the spread. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Rookie, you were up in the Deer Lake area. I was. What, what was everything open as normal? Uh, everything was open as normal. Yeah. How'd you like the attitude up there, Matt? And well, that's just not the, that far, Kenny. It's across the highway, for, across the river from Taylor's Falls. Uh, people were um, oh. very friendly. Uh, I think the uh, the we didn't I didn't go to any bars or any restaurants. We, but I did go play golf. And uh, how'd from, that go? From what I saw, I'm, I remind myself why I don't play golf. <laughs> Reavers, where were you? You were way up north. I was in Osage, Minnesota at Breezy Point uh, Resort over the weekend with my family and my mother and my mother-in-law. What was the uh, mask behavior? I was just going to bring that up. We also spent Saturday at the Headwaters, which Rook and I are looking at right now, which was just gorgeous. Uh, I went in to go get some supplies at the local retailer, and... um, yeah, I was the only one that had a mask on, and I was stared at because I had a mask on. Now the, they gave you the, they gave you the stink eye, huh? Yeah. Well, I, you know, played the what lo- about restaurants? Are they open to full capacity? Or are they under Walls's mandate? Uh, I suppose they're under the mandate, aren't they? I guess the one restaurant I stopped in at was also somewhat of a convenience store, yeah. um, and it was about half full, I would guess. Mm-hmm. A luck golf course is where we played, and you had to have a mask on to go in there to book your. Uh, your outing. Mm-hmm. But I will also say this. Two of my buddies did not play. They just went up to a, uh, they went to a couple of bars on their way up while we were playing. And in the reach of Garage Logic, they heard that they came from uh, the, t- the Twin Cities and are going to be at a buddy's house on Deer Lake. And they said, are you with the Rookies group? No. I, I, I thought he was messing with me. My buddy was messing with me, but he said, no, they were listeners, and they knew where I was going, and by chance they said, do you know, are you with Rookie's Party? And they're avid podcast listeners. I did not get their name. Oh, cool. Yeah, hmm. it was kind of neat. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's just I've a never, light ray of hope. I've never played the Luck Golf Course. Uh, nice track. Uh, it's open. A beautiful. I mean, right now, the colors are so beautiful. I, I, I don't even know why I played golf. I should have just sat in the cart. The, co- the colors will come to you. In fact, they're here. They're, they're here, here now, I, yes. I, I, uh, Reaver, so you didn't do any dining out on this trip? No, we did not. We, we mostly ate at the cabin, and yeah, we did, we did not dine out. I see. Re- I see. Reavers, as far as the colors coming to you, do you agree or disagree with that statement? Uh, did you see colors enough uh, on your way up and back Here's what's to funny. warrant getting in the car and driving just to look at colors? So I bet it was past peak where you no, were. No, so Friday, actually, we could not have possibly timed it any better because Friday when the three of us got done with the show at about 11, I was in the car heading north just before noon on Friday, drove straight there, minus a couple stops, um, yeah. and I got got there. It was that beautiful 80-degree Friday afternoon, and, and it was perfect right weather was yeah. perfect and all the trees still had occupied leaves driving home yesterday most of those most of those leaves were on the ground well, that was the wind yeah exactly and and there was a little bit of rain on saturday night not nothing like what happened last night joe there's a week period every year and i believe it was last week as far as i can tell where from highway 15 the exit off 94 the main exit into st cloud off of 94 up to st john's that stretch is un 
unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. just unbelievable. And that valley that St. John's is in, wow, what an idyllic, perfect spot. Mm-hmm. A guy wants to slow down to about, I don't know, 75 miles an hour so you sure, can just get a look. Enjoy, <laughs> yeah, enjoy the scenery. Well, yeah. Kenny, my route was uh, I took 10 up to past Royalton, but then you try to get over to 71. 71 straight north is one of the most gorgeous stretches of drive in this entire state. It's just phenomenal. When I arrived early uh, to my destination on Deer, those guys were already playing golf. So I went and cracked a beer and sat down by the lake. I was all by myself, and people were parading by. That evening when I told my buddy, I'll just call him, you know, Jim Wilson. That's not the name of my buddy. Chuck from Alabama. Yeah, I said, hey, do you know most of the people on your lake? And he said, yeah, I know almost, or a lot of them. He said, why? I said, because when I sat down there drinking and people were parading by on the boat, I said, hey, my name is Jim Wilson. Stay the F away from my property. (laughs) (laughs) Get your effing boat out of here. He was a little nervous. I said, I I, I didn't really do that. My name is Jim Wilson. Stay the F away from my property. As far as the colors coming to you, and I'm sure you've done this a million times, and I guess you can't do it now with your with your uh, ankle, but uh, my deal is cross the river at Franklin, cross the river at Lake, and cross the river at Ford, yeah. and you will see the tastiest colors in oh, the yeah, Twin Cities. Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. I agree. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's, gorgeous. it's unbelievable. Yeah. I, have, I have some very unkind friends who are having a great deal of sport uh, routinely sending me pictures all last week from the golf course. Oh, <laughs> sure. sure, of course they are. They just want you to be part of it. Sure, sure. <laughs> Well, so now, me. if you're since it's past peak up north, then do you do you now head south to get uh, Chris? To, Chris, to see I'm, some I'm, I'm I'm getting weary of explaining this. You don't need to go anywhere. Right, it but comes we, to your yard, Joe. We just did ten minutes on why you need to get in the car yeah. and go look at the colors oh. because it's it's remarkable. Uh, Bert writes, I didn't get to the Grund this weekend, but on the October 9 podcast, you almost coined a good term for them, metertainment, or for all the neighboring sponsors, Highway 61, revisit it. Bert's talking about Grunhofer's old-fashioned meets, of course, and uh, it's uh, been the, it's a metertainment complex. By the That's way, it is. I yep. did it over the weekend. I grilled up the Bloody Mary brats, mm-hmm. which were spectacular. Bloody Mary Saturday morning with the Bloody Mary brat. Oh, you're like my buddy Jimbo starting early in the morning, huh? Just one. well, just one. Uh, I was there yesterday, Joe, on my on my return visit. I stopped and I bought the Philly uh, Philly cheesesteak or the burgers. Philly patty. The Philly, Philly patty. patty. How good was that? I didn't try them yet, but I got two meatloafs, the Philly patty, uh, bacon, and the ranch pretzels. Ooh. The ranch flavored pretzels are addicting. It's about three quarters gone already. Well, I got a note from Chris and Carver who said, Greetings. While listening to the Friday, October 9 podcast, beginning at the 18 and a half minute mark, you finally proclaimed that you put your finger on it. Our nation has become a nation of waiters as opposed to a nation of doers. So earth shattering that even Joe said he didn't know you were so good. The mixed <laughs> message I struggle with is follows. Later in the same show, Mr. Reavers was once again being admonished for meatloaf gluttony (laughs) due to his most recent Grunhofer's run, a run that he even gave advance warning to the community. A meatloaf warning was declared. Yes. Mayor, I submit to you that Chris was, in fact, being a doer, not a waiter. He is not waiting to put food on his family. (laughs) Thus, no limit should be required while being a doer on a Grund run. Please do not use my real name. You can call me 
Chris from Carver. Okay. Uh, okay, I hope I didn't. No, you did say that right. at the beginning. Uh, yep. Chuck from You should Chuck save that. That might be the might be the first uh, email we've received that uh, big ups Chris Reeves. <laughs> no doubt. Right. <laughs> Congratulations, Chris. You've got arrived. a fan. Grandhofer's <laughs> Old Fashioned Meats. It's right at the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. You can't miss it. It's a uh, it's meatertainment for the people. Ah, All right, we'll be back shortly. Yeah, where are we going? It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. This almost sounds like Primus, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know. Right, of course yes, you don't. So, uh, I don't mean to be overly urgent here or start a panic, uh, but if you're thinking about a project with aimhighconstructionmn.com, the time to make contact is right now. The GLers have come out of the walnut woodwork or queued up for home improvement projects with Aim High this winter and next spring. Uh, and if you have something insanely urgent like a roof, oh, for goodness sakes, get a hold of Chris Miller today. That might, that might be doable. Aim High, they do everything from roofs to desks, uh, decks and basements, kitchens to baths. Uh, Chris and his crew, they can handle any job for you. Everything they did at my joint was done using the finest quality materials available. And everything, and this is even better, everything came in on budget and on time. And you GLers, you filled out his calendar, and they've been Grunhoffered. You know what that means. It's a new term here at GLers. Super busy. But sign up with the very best. Get put on that list. Get ready to be a happy homeowner. His name? It's Chris Miller. His company? Aim High Construction, and the website that leads to that home happiness, aimhighconstructionmn.com. I want to revisit what we came up with Friday, speaking of malignant idleness and really trying to get to the, to the root of it, and I came up with it. We've become a nation of people who are waiting uh, instead of a people uh, who are doing. It's, it's like we have a giant sea anchor tied to us as we move in slow motion through our lives. But I had a good friend who read my Sunday column, and he pointed out uh, you could have just as easily used the words, we have become a nation of people accustomed to this, uh, which is which is an even more uh, disturbing thought than merely waiting. We have too many people, it would seem, who are, uh, what's the word I want? They're just benignly taking this. Complacent. They're just, they're, there it is. They're complacent. Yeah. And, uh, and thus, thus the malignant idleness. They're complacent. They're complacent. They're, they're, they're willing to be told what to do. Uh, and as we've been noting with these stories of you guys visiting uh, up north places, I heard another one about a guy in very northern Michigan who went to a local tavern for a fish fry and Everybody in there did not have a mask, and he did. And they were uh, gave him the stink eye, and the bartender said, well, for you, it'll be at least an hour. So he, he, he left. It was his way of saying, get out of here with this mask on. Wow. So there's, there's also that great divide. I suppose you could say that those people are doing and not waiting, but it, but it, gets, me, it, gets, me off, it gets me off my train of thought. Mm-hmm. The idea of being complacent is, plays into the hands of of a government that would be willing to take advantage of that complacency, right. and and 
certainly, uh, again, I've I've been I've been I cut I have cut walls as much slack as anybody in the local media, but uh, I I think walls is conscious of how easy it has become for him to take advantage of the complacent. Oh, no question. I think he's conscious of that. I'm not suggesting he's an evildoer. I'm not suggesting that. Uh, but but he is... I, do, I am. Okay. You, you're, you're more than entitled to. He's an what evildoer. I, what, I'm, what I'm suggesting is that uh, he or, or Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan or you know, Bill de Blasio or Como in New York, you, you have politicians who have, uh, have had that light bulb go on over their head that this is easy. This is easy. I, I got a big whip, and, and you are all a lion that's been just shamed into doing what I do when I crack my whip. And, mm-hmm. and, and they're taking advantage of the complacency. I don't know how to, to push back against those people who are complacent. Uh, I would say that, again, there's some people who wear masks out for a walk or in their cars because they have maybe they have a medical condition. Uh, that would uh, make them be very on guard against catching anything, much less COVID. But I would say the vast majority of people uh, wearing a mask out for a walk or a bicycle ride are complacent. They're they're not even stopped to think that that doesn't make sense. You're not going to get the bug going for a walk on an empty sidewalk. You're not going to get it. I don't any more than you're going to get anything. Wouldn't that be right? I had a three and a half hour drive yesterday coming back from up north, and I counted at least four people alone in their car Mm. wearing a mask. And again, that's been explained to me that that could be somebody that's recently had some serious surgery or something. uh, And there's so there's always that possibility. But I I, I would say Uh, we don't know. No, I know. I know. I know. I'm being I'm being terribly fair here. Uh, But but the but the majority of people would suggest to me that they've chosen complacency. I mean, if the ma- if the, if the governor told them to wear the mask over one ear, that's where they'd put it. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Suits, you know how you get in your car and you, you you've driven uh, I don't know uh, half a mile and you realize oh bleep I got to put my seatbelt on it's law I need to be safe whatever. Mm-hmm. I saw that last week in Minneapolis in my alley. Ladies driving down the alley, putting her mask on as she rolls by Jeez. my house with her windows up. Nice. Uh, oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Lady, you're much safer with your window down. Yeah. Just get yeah. some of that glorious air we've had lately oh. and enjoy it while you can because we're, we're nose diving into a polar vortex towards the end of the week. The Onion had a really good uh, tweet about four hours ago, and it's got the photo, and it says, Mask accidentally leaves house without face. It's just got the mask floating down the, the sidewalk. <laughs> I honestly God believe that there are people among us who would put the put the mask over their right ear if that was the latest mandate from the government. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, again, again, uh, it's wise counsel to use the mask where it's wise to use the mask. Other than that. I don't need uh, Tim to tell me when to use it. I know when to use it. Uh, I don't know. We've been talking about this since the damn podcast started, too, haven't we? Not really. really. It's all, no. We were a year into the podcast before COVID hit. Yeah. It's all part of his, you know, his plan, it, it, keeping emergency power, you know. 
It's it's all about power. And I was thinking about that the other day, Kenny. So every state that declares this emergency, you know, extension, they're getting another fifty mil from the federal government, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, hello, can we afford that, Joe? No, this country is. Uh, does anyone even address the the debt in this country? In a not necessarily unrelated item, a federal judge has upheld a Minnesota state court agreement that allows counting of absentee ballots in Minnesota received up to seven days after Election Day. Mm-hmm. Re- Republicans had asked U.S. District Judge Nancy Brazel to block the seven-day extension that Democratic Secretary of State Steve Simon agreed to in state court after a citizen's rights group cited concerns about voter safety due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Ballots still must be postmarked by Election Day uh, to be uh, counted. But Brazel ruled late Sunday night, last night, that the plaintiffs in the case, State Representative Eric Lucero and another Republican who serves as an elector in the presidential election, don't have standing and denied their motion for a preliminary injunction. Messages left Monday with Lucero and Republican Party were not immediately returned. Previously, ballots had to be received by 8 p.m. on Election Day, but a consent decree in the state case allowed ballots postmarked on or before Election Day to be counted if they were received within the following seven days. Brazel's decision to keep the extension intact comes just days after a federal appeals court blocked a similar extension in Wisconsin, a win for Republicans who have fought attempts to expand voting across the country. The Minnesota plaintiffs had pointed to that ruling to bolster their case. A majority of states require mail-in ballots to be received by Election Day, while others accept them days or even weeks later if they are postmarked by Election Day. Tens of millions of Americans are likely to vote by mail this year because of concerns about coronavirus exposure at polling places. I'm not concerned about it at the polling place. No. I got to think the polling places are going to do the six feet apart deal and wait your turn, stand right here. What's the problem? What's the problem? In fact, so many people have been convinced to vote by mail that I bet I waltz through the polling place. Probably. I don't think it's going to be a big rush. Uh, The federal lawsuit in Minnesota was filed by Lucero and GOP activist James Carson, who both would participate in the Electoral College if President Donald Trump carries Minnesota. Their lawsuit, backed by the conservative-leaning Honest Elections Project, argued that the extension violates federal law that establishes November 3rd as the date of the 2020 election. It's been that way for 200 years. The first Tuesday after the first Monday in November. That's Election Day. Look what has happened to elections in this country. Look what's happened. They've become, everything that wasn't broken has been fixed. And now, you'll never have a result if, if all these states can wait seven days or even weeks after, the, uh, after November 3rd. So uh, I guess the judge is... Uh, uh, I, I guess the judge was convinced by the complacents who fear COVID so so urgently that they want more time to vote by mail. Rook, are you going to vote in person? I'm voting in person no matter what. Yeah. Same. Reavers in yep. person? Yep, in person. I get Kenny? Exci- uh, oh, yeah, I'll be in person. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so will I. I think it's exciting. I don't have to have the... Uh, I'm not going to be there. I want to make sure my vote is counted. My vote's going to be counted. 
I've never worried that my vote was not right. counted. It's never occurred to me to worry. It's about usually that. canceled. Yeah, out. that's hey, exactly I, right. It's never meant anything. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but I've never been worried that it wouldn't be counted. It's never meant a damn thing. In fact, I've already been canceled because she already mailed in her ballot. So, are you? I was just going to ask. Uh, do you two usually ride together? Um, no, you know, hand in I hand. Probably, when you he go... puts her on the scooter. No, <laughs> take your own damn car. <laughs> Joe, you you should look at it more positively. You have canceled her vote. Oh, yeah. well, that's a good way to look oh, at it. Maybe that's, that's the way to look at it. Maybe that's yeah. the way to look at it. Uh, I got to get a drink of water. Jamie's crying. I got to run for a minute. Oh, okay. <laughs> Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Suchere. Got another great email, another satisfied customer due to the Chill Boys. This is from Chad in Litchfield. Said, hey, Reeves, Such, and the GL gang. I've been listening to you guys for the past few years, and I love the show. I now have my 18-year-old son, Patrick, listening to the podcast, too. And he and I have been joking that we need to try out the Chill Boys. Well... My son and my two daughters just purchased me three pair of the Bamboo Chill Boys for my birthday, and I absolutely love them. Thank you for the recommendation. Well, thank you, Chad in Litchfield. He went to chillboys.com, or I should say his son and two daughters went to chillboys.com, and they bought the bamboo boxers that he was talking about, and you can too. And here's the best part about Chill Boys. All of your orders that are over $40, they ship fast and free in the entire United States. I will chime in and say that uh, I do have one pair of Chill Boys mm-hmm. that is still in the package really? that I've not wow. opened up. And I thought of being a nice guy and offering it as a, um, a hostess gift for my buddy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then I just one stared it down and said, these are too good to no. give away. No, no, too good to give away. My, my hand is raised. Yes, my sir. Hand is yes raised. sir, you in the back. Prior to Chill Boys joining us, how did the public know of them? Uh, I'll be honest. I've never heard. I, of them. I, I had not heard of them until my first encounter with them at our at our sales meeting. I had never heard of them before, but I'm glad I did. Well, maybe they launched with us. That's you know what? That's a good question. Why I did will, you find out? I will find out. Well, you know what? They have a little tab here on Chillboys.com about their history. Uh, let me look. Let me look. Let me see if I can find a date of when. Well, they you're got looking. Their start. Can I tell you that I have the pair of Chillboys on? Uh, that is the same pair that uh, when Joe wears them, he can't find it. Oh, Kenny, I, I, so. my guess is you don't have that problem. <laughs> I find them very comfortable. Right. Yes. Yeah, I do, too. Yes. Uh, Where'd it go? Well, Where'd I know it? when I talk to Kevin, he's one of the owners, uh, that they, they are listeners. So I guarantee Kevin will probably email me after hearing this. Well, then, uh, either that or you could give him a call. Just It's just fun curiosity. Absolutely. So chillboys.com, yeah. that's the address. Also, check out their cool Twitter account, at chillboysbrand on Twitter. And when you make your order... Let them know that you heard about it right here on the Garage Logic Podcast. The Lakers won the championship last night, and the so-called celebration descended into looting, violent clashes with cops, a fire started inside a bus, a man's hand blown off by fireworks. Despite pleas to stay away because of the pandemic, thousands of fans swamped downtown L.A. after their team's win in Miami with raucous celebrations outside the Staples Center. Wouldn't it be a win over Miami? They weren't in Miami. That bubble wasn't in Miami, was it? No, well, it was in Orlando. In Orlando. Yep. But the joy turned ugly as large groups stayed downtown for hours, with local television station KABC capturing a police squad car completely surrounded by a mob and some kicking it as it backed up slowly. What does that have to do with a basketball title? 
Other footage shared by local media showed people jumping on top of a trash city bus that was completely covered in graffiti where the fire started on the seats inside. KABC also filmed huge plumes of smoke from several sports cars doing tire burnouts while others did dangerous donuts in the crowds, including one with a woman lying on the front of the car. She's in the no-go zone. <laughs> fans, fans celebrated as even fire, as fireworks repeatedly went off around them with one reveler taken to the hospital well, after fireworks burned off at least one of his hands. Jeez. Wow. LAPD deemed it unlawful assembly and fired beanbag rounds at violent crowds throwing champagne bottles at officers. That's according to the Los Angeles Times. The California Highway Patrol closed freeway exit ramps into downtown to stop the fans from arriving, according to the Los Angeles Times. Other footage showed showed looting of local stores, including a trashed Starbucks. Before the game, L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti, Garcetti had joined the police in begging fans to stay home and not head downtown. Uh, as we cheer our Lakers 17th championship, please remember it's still not safe to gather in groups, the mayor tweeted in reference to the pandemic. Well, that didn't work out, did it? That didn't pan out for the no, mayor. No. Yeah. Damn. Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't pretend to understand why you'd have to burn a town down uh, just because the team wins I the title. I don't understand that draw. I just don't understand it. But I guess that's that's been going on, though. I mean, we had it here in Dinky Town. We, did we flip cars during the World Series or no, anything like that? No, I think like we that? climbed up some uh, light we, poles. We raised a ruckus. I was downtown for both of them, and uh, we had some good old-fashioned, uh, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't call it riotous fun, but uh, borderline riotous. Did you, we, read we about the, uh, did you read about the burnouts the cars have been doing in the North Loop? Yeah. Burnouts yeah. and donuts. and That's kind yeah. of a new wrinkle on downtown activity, isn't it? Well, it's been going on now for, uh, I don't know, since March, where, you know, anywhere from 20 to 100 cars will gather and do a little street racing and raise a ruckus and and generally cause hell. And it's been kind of moving around the Twin Cities, but recently it's been focusing closer to downtown. So uh, the thought occurred to me over the weekend, because there's a lot of people that um, maybe have a part-time job downtown, but they refuse to work down there during the summer because obviously the crime goes up when it's warmer out, and the crime goes down once it starts to get cold and snowy. But do you guys see it going down this winter? Because I don't have much hope that that's going to happen. No, it will. You think it will still go down? Yeah, yeah, okay. without a doubt. Okay, yeah, that's the one thing we got going for us is ten below. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. Bring it uh, on. Howard writes: Warning, amateur linking ahead or wild conspiracy theory. You decide. Nancy Pelosi has made it clear that she wants the Twenty Fifth Amendment to be on people's minds when they are filling in the ovals on the ballot. The 25th Amendment is a provision that allows Congress to remove a president from office who has been deemed either physically or mentally unfit. The motives behind the tactic haven't been clear, but this story from the New York Times brings things into focus. The New York Times article showcases post-COVID patients that suffer from brain fog that resembles dementia. The pawns are being moved as we speak to reinforce the case that POTUS could be suffering from brain fog post-COVID. 
I'm sorry, post-COVID. New York Times will do anything to plant seeds of doubt. They know how to play the long game, too. It almost seems as though there is collusion between the New York Times and Pelosi. Do I have proof of this? Of course not. What I do have, though, is that three and a half years of watching the New York Times journalistic integrity crumble due to Trump derangement syndrome. We've seen them pull desperately at any thread that has the potential to undermine and weaken Trump in the eyes of the American people. Just a thought. Best Howard. In other words, uh, it could be uh, that we're supposed to uh, we're supposed to be alarmed uh, that Trump uh, might have the post-COVID dementia symptoms going. Uh, I, I have no idea. He did want to wear a Superman T-shirt, apparently. When <laughs> on he his got way out. Yeah. On his way out. And I, uh, I don't know who was able to get to him, but thank God somebody got to him and said, "No, no, no, you're, you can't do that." You know, not did, not, a, not everybody got the helicopter right. ride to Willis Reed Hospital. And did uh, you happen to read Wilford the brain Bradley. fog piece, Joe, in the Times? No, I don't read the Times. Well, it was in today. It was reprinted in today's uh, Star Tribune on uh, A4. And it's the typical fear mongering. Uh, it's it's all dreadful and awful and horrible, and we're all going to die or be super super dumb until the end of days. What? It's debilitating, Joe. I don't doubt that. I, I don't. I don't want this damn virus. I I get it. I don't want to take that chance. I, I my brain's shaky enough. I can't <laughs> afford to. I can't afford to get foggy. I can't afford to get foggy. Notice we didn't protest that either, did we? <laughs> right. We didn't dispute that, your statement. No. <clears throat> Joe, I've been thinking about Tuesday's lead story, last Tuesday, October 6th, about warm weather and low-income students. I've been thinking for a few days now. I have a degree in astrophysics and have been working in astronomy ever since, 13-plus years now. This story and the other dubious science you bring up occasionally share a common theme. None of them follow proper scientific procedure ever. Since I brought my pencil to class, we were reminded to use the scientific method when doing any experiments. Otherwise, it would be easy to poke holes in our conclusions. You and the staff found many holes in a few minutes of reading and discussing that story. A month or so ago, you brought up a story about a woman claiming math was racist. Her only evidence was it was invented by white people. That is also folly, since a good portion of math was figured out by people in the Middle East and China long before there were empires in Europe. Last year, I wrote into the show and mentioned working with the group that produced the first images of a black hole. That singular image had dozens of people working for months just to simply make sure they got everything right. The bigger the discovery, the bigger the burden of proof. That's how science should work. These other groups are taking poor data sets, or no data in some cases, and are looking for links to the buzzwords of the month. The group from Tuesday got the best of both worlds, racism and climate. Of course, the actual conclusion was low-income kids have a harder time in school when it's over 80 degrees, which happens in every state every summer. They are actually just looking for their 15 minutes so they can get their easy grant money, hardly do any work, and put out another piece of crappy science to continue the cycle. This causes us real scientists a whole lot of trouble. I'll wait until I find some kind of alien, then spend years validating it, work 20 more years, then finally kick back with a drink in my hand and my toes in the sand. Hmm. But I digress. I'd like to think I'd like to link this to the left's assertion that people don't believe in science. That's a perversion of truth. 
The accurate statement is people question science due to the lack of scientific integrity that is sometimes displayed. I can't sleep at night when I think about science being politicized and the damage that has done to the public's faith in science. With each one of these bad science articles, it furthers the divide. Science should be providing everyone information, then people in governments can act on the information. Instead, some of these articles read as opinion pieces trying to lay blame or guilt. People aren't stupid and see through this and quickly learn to distrust. Thanks for starting this, Al Gore. I don't want to disparage the fine folk finding out everything about COVID-19. Ten months ago, we knew nothing and have learned a lot since. The scientific process is slow, and COVID necessitated getting information quickly. They took their best guess based on limited data, most of which came from China, which lied profusely, and erred on the side of caution. Policymakers not changing their minds when new data comes or outright ignoring data are much more of a problem. Ryan in Arizona. Hmm. Here, 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 here. Nice, Ryan. Give him a harumph. That's a harumph, 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 harumph. Uh, okay, uh, we, uh, <clears throat> we have a Monday Night Sports Talk uh, episode coming up to record after this show. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes. And you uh, say Patrick has a theory about the headwaters of the Mississippi? <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. voicing it to Rookie and I uh, earlier today before we started recording uh, and, GL. And what it is might really, I think it will surprise you. <laughs> I think it will surprise you. It's a little teaser. He's got a theory about some of the most unusual things, man. <laughs> yes, he does. I've got a topic for you for uh, MNST, Joe. All right. Whitey Ford. Yeah, what was his name? Edward Charles? Edward Charles Ford. Mm, we also lost Joe Morgan this morning. Oh, I didn't oh, know right. that. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. Yep, seventy-seven years old. Lost Ron Peronowski last week. Bob Gibson. Edward Charles Whitey Ford. Edward Charles Whitey Ford. Astoria, New good. York. The chairman of the board. Mm-hmm. He was Mickey Mantle's running mate. Really? But Whitey lived to be ninety-one. Yeah, Mick didn't make it to. I don't think Mick made it past his early 70s, did he? I can't remember. Uh, I yeah, but he... Uh, Mickey uh, uh, Marilyn Monroe. That would kill anybody. That was Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. That was Joe Coo-coo DiMaggio. Coo-coo-choo. Yeah. Uh, we lost uh, Mickey Marilyn at the age of 63, him. August 13th, 1995. That was that long ago. Wow. I can't believe I got that wrong. Was Mickey the guy you said if he knew he was going to live that long, he would have taken better care of himself? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Mickey had one spouse, Merlin Mantle, from 1951 until his death in 1995. Well, congratulations. He's to a guy named Merlin? Yeah. <laughs> you know what he made in his entire career? $1.128 million. Mm-hmm. He made just Is over $1 million. Wow. Well, there's a great story about Mickey uh, hanging up his pants in the locker room at the old Met Stadium. And a hundred a check for a hundred thousand dollars fell onto the floor. Was Ooh, found by boy. the locker room guy. Oh wow! Yeah, nothing to see here. Yeah, nothing got, nothing to see here. I didn't see anything. <laughs> nope, we're good. Well, that was a lot of money in Mickey's day. No, I know. I'm not saying he was yeah. underpaid. It's just, it just seems like for the amount of time that you he... can't, you can't measure anything to today. Today is just off the rails. True. For now, thing. I, I, I project that. Those salaries are coming down after what a lot of these franchises have gone through. Well, that wow. reminds me. That yeah. reminds me to ask Patrick a question. All right. He wrote it uh, down in pencil. Yeah, I, I got to run. Jamie's crying. Okay, sounds good. Oh, let me, let me, let me, let me. 
I should plug that. Uh, everyone I've told about it has raved about it. I stumbled. I've never been a Van Halen guy. I told you that. I don't even own one of their albums. But I, I, if it came on the radio and I found it interesting, I listened to it. And, and so the other day I stumbled. I was on YouTube noodling around, and I stumbled on an interview the Smithsonian Institution had with Eddie Van Halen. And it was about 55 minutes long, and I was absolutely captivated. I was enthralled to discover what a charming character he is. And uh, I, I recommend it to people. Uh, he is uh, basically a mad scientist who ripped apart guitars and put them back together and damn near electrocuted himself. And <laughs> you knew all that, though, right? I didn't. I really didn't oh. know any of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What was this guitar called? The Monster or something Frankenstein. like that? Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. it. Hey, Chris, I sent you the link so you can post that. If oh, you'd please like. do. Yes. I yeah, mean, I, I sent it to people who I didn't think would be particularly interested, and they raved about it. Oh, well, you sent it to me, and uh, I was very interested. I, I sent it to the old. I sent it to the oldest kid I have because he's a, quite a rock and roll student. Uh, and I said, are you interested in Van Halen? He said, not particularly. And I said, well, I'm going to send you something. I stumbled across it, and he said, okay, email it to me. And I did, and he, he texted back that he found it fascinating, and he was then in the process of downloading Van Halen albums. So oh, wow. he also hadn't had it? No, What's not with you two? Well, he was, he'd be too young yeah. to even be in that no, ballpark. No, he's my age. Well, that's I've true. Always, I've always known about all of that stuff, but I've never heard it come from a sober, calm, laid-back Eddie <laughs> yeah. who was willing to divulge all the details. And it was absolutely fascinating to hear it come from his mouth. Mm -hmm. And he had a couple of his original guitars on stage with him. Yeah. And I was just dying for him to pick one up oh, and show it to too. the camera and get close-ups because he routed those things out and he wrecked a million pickups along the way. And I wish Johnny was here to talk about it. He never took a guitar lesson. That's incredible. Right. But right. he won classical piano contests in the state of California because his mom made he and Alex take classical piano. Uh, it, right. it, it, was, uh, it was just, you know what it was? It was a really nifty American story about a Dutch immigrant is what it was. And uh, it was a story about an American, a yeah, success yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, and he couldn't read music, which nope. is fascinating because he had such a good ear that he could fake it very well yeah and yeah. he fooled his teacher his first teacher for a year or two if i remember yeah. right yeah yeah is that well, the way anyway. is that the way your oldest uh, responded to you by saying not particularly yeah why i, I would just say like nah <laughs> yeah well you know he's a man of intellect i'd uh, not particularly i would just yeah. say uh -uh. nah nah oh but also I thought you were gonna quote of Van Halen lyric. no no I was yeah. just I was just that was a for me that was an an odd response Friday yeah. afternoon I'm up in wherever and I stop and Down get gas story, right? yep. no 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 it's not oh whew. guy rolls up on a Harley at the gas pump right next to me blaring he's on a Harley right pulls yep. up blaring running with the devil and I looked at him and I just went bleep yeah man and he yeah. kind of gave me the up nod America. It, was, it was awesome yeah. it was so cool it was a perfect fall day and he just comes blasting you know, Van Halen on his and you can hear more of those bonus stories uh, when the podcast Afterlife comes on Reavers will sit around and tell you <laughs> run through the whole weekend for you and just uh... alright let's go here uh, is that going to do it for the day? yeah that will Okay, let's call it a day we call it a day 
Yeah, calling it beautiful. a day day. Okay, today. Sunny out. It's gorgeous. Perfect day to run to Fratelloni's and get some supplies, yes, it is. Mr. Mayor. Yeah. Get some yard work done before the snow flies. Nice. You know what he does sell? He sells those bags that you can just oh, yeah. fill them up with the leaves and chuck them. They're cheap, sturdy, and very easy. Nice. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. What about Pot MN, Ruck? I don't have it in me today. Okay. Oh, yeah, I do. Pod MN on your uh, smartphone. That's a wonderful, easy app to download. Go to PodMN on your smartphone, or if you want to add it to your computer, your laptop, your uh, desktop, go to PodMN.com. That's PodMN.com.